He wants us to bear fruit for Him. He wants us to take truth to the nations. He wants us to bear fruit. You might think to yourself, fruit? My life is rotten bananas. Now there's a few people that I know who enjoy when a banana gets those, those dark spots on it. Do you know anybody who likes those? Okay. Not very many people. They're weird. <laughs> Alright? Who eats, the, who eats the dark spot? I mean, this is weird. Alright? You might think to yourself, well, my whole life is just a bruised banana. It's, it's useless. You might think, what, what could God do for me? How, how, could, this, how could this work? But despite any of those things, our failures, our sins, our pasts, our backgrounds, our weaknesses, we can see that God calls. And believe me, the, the weaknesses of the disciples are on full display. It's not their perfection. It's the call of God. And so, the productivity, and this is what is easiest to see. Now, what is harder to see, as we move on here today, is the role of prayer. Before we get there, notice... In Matthew, in 28, and Acts 1, and verse 8, that the calling involves the nations. We can't get around that. We can't get around it in Genesis, when God is working in Abraham in his life, and saying that all nations on earth, families, will be blessed through you. So our productivity as disciples will affect the nations. Now, let's look at prayer's role. It comes after the calling to productivity. We see in Genesis 18, we see Abraham begin to plead with God for the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. Asks him to spare the place and gets into this impassioned pleading, almost a negotiation it felt like. We looked at that last week. And Abraham begins to relate to God about how things are going to happen and what he's going to do. And even before that, we see him and we see Sarah begin to talk to God, wondering about the promise and how it's all going to work out because they don't know. It's the same way with the verse here that we're looking at this morning. The first part of it, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. That part should be clear to us by now, that your fruit should abide. Now, it says this, so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. There's a couple things I want you to see in this verse. If you have your Bible open, stare at 16. If you don't, write verse 16 down, circle it, and put a couple of notes about so that, or that. The first, that, is really easy to see. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Why? That, you should go and bear fruit. So that makes a lot of sense. They're appointed for a reason. That, they should go and bear fruit. Chose you, appointed you, that, you should go and bear fruit. And that, your fruit should abide. Those are outworkings in the language of the appointment. Fruit and fruit should abide. If you're confused by the word abide, it's not a word that's really used a lot in our culture. It means that it'll last and you'll stay with it. You'll stay near and dwell near. There's a a connotation there where there's a closeness and a lasting quality in, in abiding. 
there's another that. So that. In the verse. The fruit, it'll happen, it'll abide. Why? Because they've been appointed, and, and they've been appointed to bear fruit, and fruit that abide. Why? So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Here comes prayer. Here comes talking to the Father after the appointment, after the call to go and bear fruit that will last. As they stay close in relationship with Jesus. I have two sentences up here for you. I want you to understand the way this is in the Greek. Sorry, kids, if you don't like English class, you're going to have to bear with me. I want you to see the first sentence. Johnny, go clean your room. And oh, remember you're going to your friend's house later. Those are two separate thoughts brought together by what? And oh. <laughs> All right, your parents or grandparents. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Oh, hey, remember this. That happens a lot. What's happening? Oh yeah, oh. And, and oh yeah, we do that. Two separate thoughts brought together. Now, look at the second one. Johnny, go clean your room so that you can go to your friend's house later. Two different kinds of sentences or thoughts. The first one is linked together by and and oh. It's just linked together. There are two thoughts that are brought together. The second one, the so that, look at what it does. The second part of that is dependent. What happens if Johnny doesn't clean his room? He doesn't get to go. And his room's still a mess. Right? Might still be a mess anyway. (laughs) After he gets home later. The first one is called, if you're really a nerd and like official things, like I am, is a coordinating conjunction. Second one is a subordinate conjunction in which the thoughts are dependent. And this is the way this verse, friends, it rolls out. And it teaches us about prayer. This isn't just a stream in Greek that is disconnected and brought together by a couple of conjunctions. The calling, the appointing, the fruitfulness, and the fruitfulness that will last, they're all there to point to what's dependent. They keep going. And what's dependent in it is the prayer. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. In this one, Johnny's not going to his friend's house if the room doesn't get clean. In our verse today, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Guess what's not going to happen if prayer is absent? This isn't my conviction. This isn't my opinion about this. This is exactly the way the Holy Spirit prompted John to write it down. If we scratch our heads at times and wonder why there's a lack of fruitfulness in our lives, can I submit to you from John 15 and 16, it's because there's a lack of prayer. The very thing that is subordinate to the thought and directly dependent upon the thought of fruitfulness and the call is the prayer. It's the dependence. It's the relationship. 
It's calling on God that in the bearing of fruit that we can ask Him things and He will do things and we'll see that and we'll be encouraged and we'll stay close. It comes after the calling and it's essential. I have up here for you uh, 1 through 5 of this chapter. If you have your Bible open, just scan up to the beginning of this. Otherwise, read along. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The life that is so caught up in the productivity, in the look at me and look at my faith and look at all of my works and look at everything that I'm doing, the life that is caught up there and is prayerless, eventually will crumble. Apart from an abiding, a sustaining, a prayerful interaction, pleading sometimes desperately because there's unknown and we don't know how God is going to work in us and we don't know what He's going to do and we don't know sometimes even what our very next step is or our next conversation is going to be. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We want those words to to not to scare us, but to encourage us. We hold from Scripture and in our lives and in our knowledge something that can help our lives to bear fruit. We hold the ability to do something that will guarantee that we stay close to Jesus, close to God the Father in prayer, abide with Him and have fruit in our lives. We hold something and it is prayer. It is staying close with Him. Not an option. It is essential to the mission. Now, you may wonder uh, in the title of these couple of weeks, uh, prayer, war, and missions, you may wonder, well, why the the war? Well, uh, in John 15, if you just go down a couple of verses from where we are, we get the emphasis in 17 about Jesus commanding and the the disciples are supposed to love one another. Uh, That's right. These truths will unite They will come together in prayer. They will learn love and they will have unity because they're united in mission. But look, look at the opposition. Look at the war. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Boy, that has a connotation there of warfare, doesn't it? And missions and serving, and fruitfulness, and battle, and togetherness, and unity, and love. All these things together, right here in the passage, held together, not just by God's command, not just by what we're supposed to do, but by who God is, and how He wants us to respond. We're not on some spooky country road because the the GPS took us down the wrong place. John 15 is a great chapter for your study. I commend it to you. If you get anything today, see that God wants us to bear lives of fruit, but He doesn't want us to attempt it without hearing these words, without understanding His Word, 
and coming to Him in prayer, saying, Lord, help me with that fruit in my life. Help me with that impact I want to have on the, the neighborhood or the, the kids at church or the, the seniors or the, uh, the missionaries we support in country X, whatever it happens to be. All kinds of ways mission happens. You'll see that this month. I promise that to you. But please, please don't divorce the activity that we see this month in mission. Don't divorce it from prayer. Prayer for your own fruitfulness. Prayer for the fruitfulness of those we support. Prayer must involve the nations. We see the nations from the beginning. God calling and working. It's a part of our lives as disciples.